Welcome to Blue Talks. Good afternoon, I think, just about. <laughs> so I'm Becky Wells. I am obviously flown over from the UK to come and join in with all these amazing people today. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the, the dragon in the mind and how I empowered the dragon in the mind. So why a dragon? Now, if you see that picture up there, when I was 18, I injured my back so badly that they told me I'd never be able to do many things again. I wouldn't be able to walk properly. I wouldn't be able to, I may even be in a wheelchair. But they put plates in my spine. And I got really angry because I was meant to go in the police force at that time. I was all the way through all my exams. I mean, how I got through English exams on a police training thing, I have no idea to this day. but. I managed to get through it, and the day I was meant to do my physical, I managed to rip a part of my back apart and ended up with metal plates, and I, I, was, I was angry. I think I probably had the angriest dragon inside of my mind. It took me five years, probably, and I was driving along one day, and that, that little dragon inside of me suddenly realized that it wasn't everybody else that was stopping me getting anywhere. It was the little dragon inside of my head, and I, I kept it in my mind. Jump a whole way forward three years later from that, uh, uh, three years, three years ago from now, and I managed to rip my back again, accidentally pulling my, we call them in the UK wellies, but pu pulling my boot off in the UK. Um, and I had to have a scan. Oops, I must be pressing something. When I had the scan, this is actually my brain, and inside my brain, this little dragon I've been talking about, he's there. That is my brain. That is the inside of my brain. And this little smiley dragon looked back at me. I was like, it's true. <laughs> so I know now he sits in there quite happily kind of guiding me along. And I know he's quite happy now. He seems pretty friendly. So I'm kind of using him as my training buddy as I do it. So who am I? So Becky Wells has kind of many different levels. So I guess I call myself my own little dragon tamer now. And I'm working on different skills within. So if you'd have asked me 10 years ago if I'd have stood up and talked to anybody, I wouldn't have spoken to one person. I was so shy that I didn't even talk to my own relatives. And it's one of my things when I work with people with public speaking that they say, I'm never going to be able to do it. And it's, I actually read an entire book out loud without breathing in five minutes to an audience once when they made me give a talk. <laughs> so jump forward. I'm also a little bit, so if I, I'm a duck and a chicken wrangler too right now. So during the pandemic, all my work internationally stopped because I couldn't travel. And I was working in Switzerland quite a lot. And one of my neighbors owns the estate I live on. We own a, I live on a big 65-acre farm estate in the UK with a 600-year-old house. Um, and he needed someone to help. So I figured that 
I'd give anything a try because this little dragon was kind of running right around the, the estate wondering what it was going to do because it couldn't go abroad. So I took over running the 65 estate for him and I appear to have become the crazy animal lady within the estate. So I get phone calls. I got, so the little ducks in the corner appeared as little yellow things a little while ago. They failed to tell me that they were going to be 50 centimeters tall and these things now run around being the loudest things in the room. I'm also a little bit of a Cinderella, so I kind of laugh with the people I work with that, that one day I can be just helping in the house. I can be cleaning the floors. I mean, I, I love it. It's such a mindful exercise working in such a different environment, even though the world's opened up again, that I'm going to keep that job as long as I can because I, I, I love looking after that place. But one day I can be doing that. And then this year, if I take, for example, that I, I went to Westminster Abbey. So they had the 70-year um, anniversary for the Queen this year. I can't remember how, but I managed to get an invite to Westminster Abbey. So I had to get dressed up. I spent the day with the royal family, the heads of um, the heads of the Commonwealth, and then I didn't get the ruby slipper. I didn't get the slipper. <laughs> and Prince William, unfortunately, is already married. Um, <laughs> but I did. I did come back, um, and the next day I was back with the floor and scrubbing away and, and enjoying myself. And I love both roles. And I think when I'm working with myself, I'll take anything. I mean, I said to my boss one day, the, the guy who owns all the estate, I said, you do realize I'm blagging everything I do about this job. He went, we know. <laughs> he said, but you learn. <laughs> and I was like, and that's how I've, how I've learned. I've worked over, oh, it's jumping, excuse me. So over the next 10 years since I qualified in all those jobs that Corey talked about earlier that I've kind of learned around the world. So I've gone to, I've learned as far as Hawaii, I think, I, I believe it's called the Haponaponapona. I went and I, I, I learned that during the pandemic. I, I looked at the ancient Egyptian. I brought them all in together and try and blend it into, into me, that little piece inside of me. So I want to look at five things, five things that I used on my quest on that journey to become who I am to this day. And I'm still on my journey. I'm still, I'm still working with that, that little dragon that you saw earlier. So the first one is having the confidence to be yourself. So if you look at me when I was way, way back, when I injured my back, I was definitely that full-on body armor don't argue with me because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of angry with the world and I didn't want to put that suit down. And my friends always say, I'm very, I'm very rarely angry. But they said they knew when I was angry because I went quiet. It was almost like I put the little shield down over my head, like the little medieval shield. And I kept quiet and I would be working it through. And if I look at myself when I was a, uh, a civil servant, I was definitely the one who would wear what everybody else did around. You know, I was working in the 1980s. I, I had the, the amazing 1980s shoulder pads. And the, I had a skirt, one of the pencil skirt. And, and I don't walk very well in skirts, hence why you won't see me on stage in a, in a skirt, because I can't, my legs want to walk like they've got trousers on, even in a skirt. Um, these days, I'm the, the shorts and the t-shirt 
and the baseball cap type of person. That's, that's what you'll see me around in. That's what I'm comfortable in. So even if I'm on stage and I, I have to wear a suit, I will normally inside have my baseball cap on in my mind. The next one is, and this has already been talked about earlier, so being a listener, it's about being a listener with all of our senses. So do we listen with our, our ears, our eyes, our mind? It's about bringing all those things in. And also being observant. So when I'm in a room full of people, or if I'm, I'm actually a real people watcher, I'm, I'm guessing probably a lot of people are, that we, you kind of watch people, you kind of observe their movements there, what they're doing, what they're thinking, and, and bringing it all around. And looking at the skills that we have, look at the skills we already have. It's almost like we're always looking at what we can train in next, but I actually took a step back. So if you take the last two years during the pandemic, I actually kind of took time out and thought, well, what do I have? Turned out I was a duck wrestler, but hey-ho. Um, it's about looking at all those skills that we have and then bringing them all in to be the person that we are. So I, I bring all kinds of information in. I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm great at a quiz. If you ever take me to a quiz, I'm so full of things because a bit like probably a lot of people here, I've read so many books that I have the most random knowledge. So if I, if I talk to someone, I can kind of talk to them about car mechanics because I have that basic knowledge of the most random things in my, in my head, stored probably in my little dragon inside. And that also brings me, again, back to strengths and weaknesses, something that I remember doing when I was in the civil service. The, when I was in the civil service, it was one of the questions they asked me, and they, they told me when I when I had my interviews, and I, I went through probably 20 interviews in the civil service, and I never got promotion. I never got promotion, and one of the things that someone pointed out was I was a little bit like a rabbit in headlights. Every time I went for an interview, I froze. I didn't even know my own name. They, they used to ask me a question, and I, and I couldn't tell them. So I never got promotion. And I kind of put that back to a, I was the quietest person ever, and I was bullied. The first week I started in, the first job I ever had, I was kind of taken in a room and told if I ever spoke out again, I would never go anywhere. I'd be sacked from the, from the job I was in. So I, I, just, I just went back to my quiet little self and uh, carried on with my, my job. But what I did learn several years later probably really in the last 10 years is that it's my strength because I, I absorb a room. I, you'll never see me going into a room or um, into a place and being the loudest person. I will never be the loudest person, but I'll kind of know everybody or their energies by, by the end of it. I will, I will love it. I'll, I'll absorb it. I'll, I'll learn things about everybody around. So that, that thing that I thought was my weakness is actually probably one of my strongest attributes. I'm listening to tones. I'm listening to I'm listening to movements. I'm going to show you something in a minute, um, a few slides down about how I use that to change things around. So ask yourself things that you think are your Achilles heel. Are they? 
I try with everybody I, I speak to, is try and show them how it's their, it's their strength, how they can empower themselves by using that to their advantage. And then how we train ourselves, how we, where do we look? I think the first thing is we look inside and see what we've got already. I've said it, I'll probably say it a hundred times, and I'll say it to everybody I ever see. Look at what we've already got before we gain more things. What training should we take? I think it's that self thing. I think so many people here today have talked about self. It's about looking at that self and training ourselves, training, training our own skills. And something I hear a lot is, they seem so much better than me. I couldn't do that. And I am the biggest person, you know, standing here today that I would have said that a hundred times five years ago. I can't do that. I wouldn't be able to stand there and tell a story. In fact, a guy called Pete Cohen over in the UK, I, I tried not to listen to him because every time he told me, he told me I needed to tell a story. And he, he confused my brain so much at the time because I was trying to understand what he was saying that I ended up every day leaving with a migraine. But 10 years later, I suddenly understood what he meant. I thought, I understand. It's telling my story or telling the stories to make someone understand in their way what can be done. And there are, you can tell a story and the same story in two different ways, so, so easily. Now, the little dragon in me is a little bit playful. So when I look at changing, I, I kind of call it the hokey pokey zone, or, or in the UK, we call it the hokey cokey. So you've got the comfort zone. Now the comfort zone can actually be toxic. So if you look at when I was stuck, not stuck, when I was in the civil service, I was in the comfort zone for 10 years of the, you know, I didn't go anywhere, but I didn't actually push it till one day, enough was enough. So that was a, it was a zone, and to me it was comfortable, even though it was probably the most toxic place for me, because I held on to that energy of the past. And then what I learned to do was to put my arm into the fear zone. And I'll put it out, I didn't try it very much, I tried to, as I said, I tried to give a talk and, um, I didn't like it, I was terrified, and I brought it back in again. But gradually, the more you do it, and the more I did it, the more I enjoyed it. In fact, I was, I ended up at um, a big theatre in London called the London Palladium with some friends of mine who were doing a, a big show for the, um, one of our big stars. And someone said, if someone wouldn't turn up to this day, one of these 36 stars, they said, would you go and give the speech? And I found myself saying yes before I'd even thought about it, I was like, oh my God, there's going to be like 3,000 people in this audience. Um, luckily, everybody turned up. But it was an experience, and actually I would have ended up talking to the Queen that day, because she decided she, it, she decided to come for a Queen night, a night out that day at the Palladium. I'd always wondered if that happened. As a, as a Brit, you always wonder if the story is true that the Queen goes on a night out. Absolutely true. I happened to be there, and I was about 20 foot from her, trying not to drop anything, because I had the bodyguards kind of here. <laughs> um, but it's ever-growing, and what happens with that comfort zone is all of a sudden that, that comfort zone becomes 
all the way to the edges, and then you're just expanding and ever learning, ever expanding. I, I don't know where I'm going to end up, but it's the fun of kind of my little inner dragon tamer that's taking me to where I'm going to go. Now, this is probably one of my favorite ones, and there's a little bit of a demo that I'm going to demonstrate, um, and you feel free to join if you want to, but it's, it's quite fun to do. So the hands of a dragon tamer are quite important. So can you think of anything that makes you angry when you think about it? I know we're all nice, calm people. Yep, that, that, so that, and find, find that feeling inside of yourself. So just find where it is, chest, stomach, head. If you're left-handed, use your right hand. If you're right-handed, use your left hand. And just put it up, just like this. Okay. Everybody got the feeling that they were thinking about? If you just take your two fingers and press down on your little finger, you will turn off that feeling. Now try and find the feeling. And what you're doing is you're looking around the room as if I've hidden it in the corners. <laughs> I haven't, I promise. And I promise I haven't hypnotized anybody. Um, the other one that you can use is um, for anxiety and panic attacks. And I know people have been talking about that today. So if you make the 007 fingers, if you have a feeling of something that worries you, whatever it happens to be, if you take the other hand and just wrap it around the fingers, just give it a hug. So give your two fingers a hug and then try and find that feeling. Again, takes away breaks that cycle. Now this one I think has science behind it. The, the one I said before, when we do this, I, I don't know how true this is, this is from my head, but when you press your finger down you can't make a full fist. When you can't make a full fist, our body really needs body language to be able to do what it does. So it can't release the cortisol into the brain because it can't make the fist to make you angry. I don't know. But that's why I'm doing a degree to try and suss all this stuff out. <laughs> but it's, it's two things, and I have the advantage that I know that that emotion is a held onto emotion in the past. So that just switches those switches off. And I, I teach everybody, I think we're born with a lot of this knowledge, you know, and even probably beyond that. If you look at a child when they worry, what do they do? They suck their thumb. That is the worry point on the hand. So I use those and I teach people, I wish, you know, I kind of wish everybody in the world would know those to some degree because it, it can help in any situation. I know some of the people I work with, I watch them sometimes on the TV now and you can see them there with their hands in their lap holding onto their fingers and I'm like, okay. <laughs> so it, it's, it's very simple, but it's very effective instantly. So I'm trying to empower that, that dragon within. It's about taking all those skills that you've got. And every dragon should be individual. There should be no dragon tamer that is the same in this world. If I, I in my room at home, I, I live in, a, I live in a, a granary. So it's a 500-year-old granary. And I actually live in the barn, which bemuses my boss because he wonders why I live in the barn part of the building. But I like living in the barn. But I have two things in the in that room. I have a mirror, but I also have a dragon taming costume hung up on my wall. <laughs> I do. Well, sorry. Um, so what I do in the morning is I wake up and every morning I wake up and I look in the mirror and go, no, I'm going to be, I'm going to be me. That dragon tamer is within me. But if there's ever those days when, you know, we all get those days that I need a little bit of inner dragon, dragon taming within, and I take a quick look at that. I, I 
yeah, I don't tend to wear it under like super, Supergirl, but <laughs> I go to that mirror and I imagine metaphorically already having it there because I'm already that energy within and becoming that dragon tamer. You can find all my stuff. You can have a nose about me at, at beckywells.com. Um, but yeah, any questions, do, do shout. <laughs>